You are listening to Live the Questions, brought to you by Chargebee, a billing system for SaaS and subscription commerce startups that believe in taking the long cut. And I'm your host, Akash Sharma. So, life tells us things. March into the wilderness. Stay put. Read Carver in a cafe. Watch Carperock. Stare ceaselessly out the window. Confront a to-do list. Ask smart questions. Ask dumb questions. Embrace boredom. Learn to multitask. Help others at any cost. Be selfish. All of that is coming right at us all the time. And without a purpose, without knowing what really matters to us, and without believing in it, we wouldn't know what we should direct our time and energy towards. And that's what we're going to talk about today. When you speak with people who believe in something, it's almost as if it's etched on their nerves, drilled down to their bones, right? They, they live their mission. They breed their mission. And everything that they do speaks for that. And that is a kind of organization and a life that today's guest, Claire Liu, who's the CEO of Neuer Company, is trying to build. Something that she deeply cares about and wants to run for as long as she can. She says she's in it for the long run. If you've ever felt What you're doing isn't enough. If you've ever had that urge, I urge you to listen to Claire. And in, in this episode, we talk about her mission behind her company. We talk about a book that was left unfinished at age 13. How did that change her life? A book called, What Do I Want to Do With My Life? Not surprisingly. Why was a pencil her best friend when she was young? How her mother, who was a dreamer, and her father, who believed in real, tangible ways of changing the world. right? How, how both of them informed how she thinks about the world. She talks about why it's important to have someone who can tell you, go, do it. It's fine to think of something bigger than yourself. It's fine to go after seemingly unalienable goals. Just go. She talks about the encounters that led her to know her company, the company that she now runs. And she talks about the importance 
of building an organization on open and honest conversations. Then she'd also talk about why we shouldn't ask what are my strengths, what are my weaknesses, and what should we ask instead, and why it's important to trust our own selves. Without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hello there, Claire. Welcome to the show. Hi, Akash. I'm so glad to be here. Well, thanks for joining us today. We, we are glad that you could make it. Thank you. Of course. Yeah, really, really excited to, to speak with you. <laughs> thanks. So what we do is we, we've got a time machine and live the questions. And the first thing that we do is we use it. So let's uh, begin at the beginning. And it, it'll be great if you could tell us what were you like as, as, as a child? Whew. All right. We are going in the time machine. Um, <laughs> I was uh, a huge introvert as a child. Uh, still am, even though uh, a lot of people today would tell you that they, you know, they don't believe me when I tell them that I'm an introvert. Um, but uh, that's definitely who I am at my core. So in the sense that there's nothing more that I love than just time to myself to think, to observe. In fact, when I was a child, I was such an introvert that my mom, she was so worried that I was going to become and grow up to be a recluse that <sighs> she put me in all sorts of activities and clubs. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the uh, funny thing she likes to say is when I was younger, my best friend was a pencil. <laughs> so <laughs> I could, you know, I could sit and just draw and write all day and be endlessly entertained. Uh, so that I'd say that sums me up as a kid. Right. Is, is the pencil still a friend? Oh, yes, absolutely. I don't know if it's my best friend, but um, <laughs> I, uh, I find so much peace and um, confidence from just being able to sit, think, and kind of put my thoughts down on paper. And whether, you know, whether it's drawing, I also paint um, so, uh, you know, maybe you could substitute the pencil for a paintbrush and, and you know, I love to sort of express myself through it that way. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, yeah, I think, um, you know, as an introvert, getting that time to yourself to just create your own thing, whatever that is, mm -hmm. uh, it's important. Right. Uh, and this, this, uh, urge to create and, uh, sort of talk to the the quiet then with a pencil or, or or a paintbrush where do you think that comes from <laughs> that's a great question i'd have to say my parents so my my dad's definitely a huge introvert but my mom she's the extrovert and i want to say that i probably uh was heavily influenced almost by you know by both of them and a mix of both of them so my dad very big introvert. He has uh, a PhD in mechanical engineering, and the way that he sees the world is kind of through numbers. And everything has an answer. Everything um, it can be objective and is black and white. Um, and and you know he doesn't have a lot of uh, patience for for things that are kind of too 
um, you know, touchy feely, so to speak, right? So that's uh, my dad uh, okay. on one side, right? <laughs> Um, my mom on the other side, you know, huge extrovert, loves people, could just, you know, spend all day talking, listening <laughs> to people, telling stories. She sees the world in color. She has a master's in in uh, design and product design and so sees everything in shades of gray and colors and everything has nuance and uh, unpredictability. And so I, I think I've definitely been heavily influenced by both of them. And what both of them, though, do love is is creating, right? So my dad... Right you know, very much more in a mathematical and problem solving sense, mm-hmm. um, you know, to understand the utility of something, you know, how do you how do you change the world um, in, in the realest way, most tangible way possible. And my mom, you know, she's she's a big dreamer and, you know, thinks of things that are interesting and, and beautiful and unique. Um, uh-huh. So both, you know, both creative people um, <laughs> at heart and definitely uh, was really influenced by both of them in that way. <laughs> Right. So this reminds me of, so I, I was listening to Sarah Kay, the spoken word poet, and mm, yeah. she was describing her parents and how, how, how they as artists have influenced her art and her work. And so one of the things that she spoke about that was really fascinating was that her lunch every day, so they used to put a poem in her lunch every day. So oh, the, I love that. <laughs> so, so it was, it was uh, uh, so words and the gastronomical syntax went together and mm. uh, some, so something happened. So can you recall instances or particular things that you, you, you think that your parents did that again, instead of just osmosis, that you just borrowed stuff from them because because you were around? What were these uh, uh, events or things that they did that, that you think were uh, interesting? The, the poem in the lunchbox. Right. Well, I mean, speaking of lunchboxes, something that my mom would always do is she would draw beautiful designs on our lunchbox or on our a paper bag. And I remember in elementary school, um, you know, if you're different, that's uncool. So I didn't like the fact that she would draw all sorts of things on my lunch bag. So I would kind of turn it the other way so that no one could see it. Or, which is really sad, actually, and I'm I'm not proud of that. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, when you're when you're nine years old, uh, you care a lot more about fitting in than you do about True. appreciating your your mother's love. <laughs> she would also put um, you know really beautiful uh, cards that she'd either make herself or um, you know pick up at the store and and put them in our lunch. Um, just really sweet, thoughtful things of you know how do you create kind of personal care and make someone feel really loved. She definitely was really into that. Um, also, as an artist, she used to teach a lot of art as well. And so I, I took a lot of art classes because of her um, and because of, um, you know, she just exposed me to, to so much art. And so definitely that from my mom. Uh, with my dad, it's interesting. My dad was really instrumental in helping me with homework. <laughs> and <Okay>. so, uh, <laughs> yeah, especially around math and science. And it's so interesting. I think... Um, when you when you're able to talk to someone who can uh-huh. explain why they love something, mm-hmm. um, you I think you understand it better. And my dad, you know, he loves physics, he loves science, he loves math and numbers. And so I gained a different perspective in being able to listen to him talk about well, you know, physics, Claire. It's how you know it's how everything in the world can be explained. 
you know, right? And, and it changes your perspective in, in terms of that way. And so, um, yeah, you know, the other thing that's interesting is my dad, because he is such a, a lover also of technology, is he would always... Um, always have to have the latest Apple product, whatever it was. I remember, <laughs> okay. you know, I was the, right, he's, you know, kind of your classic, I think, uh, Apple fanboy. So I remember, <laughs> you know, getting our, you know, a Blueberry Mac, you know, in our house. I remember the first time we, you know, our family got an iPod. I remember, uh, you know, I think we have every generation of the iPod that's since come out. But it's it's interesting. He you know, in, in terms of him sharing and talking about technology and saying, oh, Claire, did you see this? Or have you heard of this news? And always sharing that. Um, it's funny how, you know, today, uh, my career, you know, what I enjoy doing, it is very much the intersection of technology and design. And again, I, I really attribute that to, to my parents. Right. So in equal measures, science and humanities, and mm-hmm. then, then, then you get a certain lens. So... Now, now that Claire runs this company and <laughs> has has a mission, how are your conversations with your parents now? Well, what is their their as uh, Graham Greene would say? What is their team like? Uh, you know, they are. They could not be more supportive. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm so lucky because I. I think not all parents are like this um, in the sense that they want to know everything of how things are going. You know, they'll send me articles of, Claro, did you see this? Or, <laughs> or, oh, you know, I saw you spoke at this. And uh, they couldn't be, you know, more supportive and wanting to, um, yeah, just uh, just be, be there, uh, you know, cheering me on and rooting for me. And, <laughs> you know, when I think when you have that kind of support as an entrepreneur, and again, like I said, I don't think all parents do that. And I, especially uh, parents of entrepreneurs, Um, I think without that kind of support, especially from my parents, there's no way I'd be able to do, you know, what I can do today. You know, the fact that they are so supportive, you know, meant that I could take risks early on and Mm -hmm. not worry about, okay, if, you know, really things go poorly, okay, you know, I I have a place to sleep. (laughs) Um, You know, there's always... Uh, you know, or when you have that sort of support, um, it gives you so much more cushion and, and freedom um, to to do what you actually mm-hmm. want. And I never take that for granted. I think it is a huge, incredible privilege. It's a lot of luck. Uh, you know, I'm lucky enough to have been born to my parents versus you know other people or in another country, etc. So uh, <laughs> never, I never take that for granted. Right. That's so. I I, I wonder if that's. Again, yeah, as you, as you said, you you you're in luck with, with with that case. But I'm sure people have a similar poignancy of observation if they they look at their relationships with with uh, their parents. And uh, if if you try try to look at the uncounted wonders that they've they've uh, just just given you, it, it'll be hard to remember all of them together. So yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. just 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 uh, just just a great thing. So uh, okay, we we go back a little again. So you you mentioned somewhere that at age thirteen you you read uh, what do I want to do with my life? Uh, a book by Poe Bronson. Yeah, correct. Poe po Bronson. <laughs> what what, yeah. what did you discover in that book at 
age 13. What did Claire discover? Oh, nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, I'm sure the book's good, by the way. Actually, you know, it's funny because at the age of 13, I don't even think I finished reading it. I think I only read the first half of the book. Uh Um, And so for me, what that book did, it wasn't so much what the book itself was saying, but it was just the fact of the question that it was posing, right? And so for me, it was a early commitment to myself to Mm -hmm. start thinking about wow, I am lucky enough to be born into a world, into a family where I have a lot of choices. And in terms of, you know, what I want to to commit myself towards and put myself towards, mm-hmm. what is that going to be? And, you know, should it be uh, just sort of a job I fall into? Should it mm-hmm. just be sort of the thing that I do because other people think I'm good at it? Maybe mm-hmm. uh, because I can make a lot of money. Uh, what is, you know, what is a meaningful life? And, right. you know, how is what I end up doing contributing towards that? And so thinking about that early, um, mm-hmm. I think, was really formative for me. And the reason, I, you know, I started doing that is because as a kid, um, you know, I mentioned to you that my dad, you know, he uh, his background is in mechanical engineering. Right. Uh, because of his job, we ended up moving around a lot all over the country. So uh, I was born in Atlanta, moved to Washington State, Ohio, Minnesota. Right. And as a kid, you know, that that's a lot of moving uh, and it's hard. And so I would always wonder, why are we moving? Why is my dad not happy at his job? And am mm-hmm. I going to be doing the same thing? Am I going to be feeling that same restlessness that he's feeling mm-hmm. and is, is that how I'm going to live my life and so that's when I decided to pick up that book and like I said didn't finish it but it was a nice and important commitment uh, that I made to myself of alright let's start asking this question so we can figure out what the answer is <laughs> Grant, and I think a bit of that the, the search for meaning shows up in your art and the other work that you do as well so I, I, I was just looking at the paintings that you posted on the site and oh, they thank are you. S- sublime and so and, and they're called so one of them is called self the the there's there's one that's called unstuck there's one that's called strength and there's one that's called energy so where are these where is this great art again coming from and who is it who who is it trying to speak with and and h- how does it affect you the, the fact that you do it yeah thanks for well first of all thanks for for checking them out uh it's always as an artist uh i or i can only speak for myself which is you know i paint for myself i paint uh-huh. for a personal release and almost cathartic uh activity Um, And the way that I try to think about each painting is I try to think of a particular emotion or state or feeling that I want to capture. So whether that's, you know, a moment of feeling like, you know what, when I see this painting, I want to feel perseverance. I want to feel like I can get through something really tough and feel resilient. What does that emotion look like? And I try to paint the physical um, or visual embodiment of, of what that feeling might be. You know, for something like self, it was also kind of like, well, if I had to do a, a self-portrait of how I'm feeling right now, you know, what would the visual um, visual embodiment of that emotion and of the, the moment that I'm at right now, what, what might that look like? What colors, you know, are me right now? 
which sounds a little weird, but I think um, as a, as someone who you know during during the day uh, I am thinking in a world where I'm selling a product, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about you know I'm doing a lot of writing, a lot of speaking. Um, you know, uh, looking at, at product features, you know, it's, it's a, a one realm of world where sometimes you need a break. And I have this sure. other side of me where, you know, I want to tap into, again, as an introvert, how do I, you know, focus in on myself, find that quiet, uh, you know, think more deeply on my own personal thoughts and feelings. And then I use painting as a way to sort of express that. Right. Did you ever uh, think of this as uh, uh, something that you could do full time as a just being I would like to. You know, <laughs> I would love to eventually. I, when I was in high school, I did seriously consider art school. Uh-huh. And my mom, having gone to art school herself uh, for graduate school, uh, she <laughs> she dissuaded me and said, Claire, <laughs> you're going to be spending 12 to 15 hours a day in a lab in poor lighting, <laughs> hunched over, whittling away at some tiny little model. She's like, you don't want to do that. Uh, but and so that was that was definitely one you know one influence that I was like okay maybe I'll go to you know a normal college but um, okay. I think also a, a a big part of um, what makes me happy isn't just self expression and the ability to you know uh, exhibit and display you know what I'm feeling and sharing it with the world that's only one part I think the other part and again really inspired by my father is this sense of how do you actually help people. Right? How do you actually make something that's useful that actually solves a problem? How do you uh, uh, make something better for yourself and for other people? And paintings, they, they do it uh, to, to a certain extent, um, but, but not, not as much as, say, a business can, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's really why you know, I've devoted uh, you know, my, my life really to solving the problem around feedback and started New York Company, and I'm running that today. Um, is because what makes me happier, even more than painting, um, is being able to help other people um, and to just solve a problem that actually matters. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm lucky enough to get to do that with, with New York Company. <laughs> great, great. So again, that, that thought backs uh, discipline forced in kindness and, and this, so, uh, there's this well-entrenched Gekonian notion that says greed is good and that conveys a certain kind of influence. And then there's, I, I, I read your answer to a question, a very simple question that, that I'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs ask, is the, what kind of company do I want to build, right? So. Mm-hmm. And when you when you write things like that, so I'm sure somebody influenced Gordon Gecko, and of course, some, someone has influenced Claire Liu as well. So when I, and I, I'll just see if I can bring that up here. Just give me a quick second. Yeah. yeah. So definitely. this. So I'm just going to read from the first deck that you wrote. So you wrote. This is the week before you took over Noya Company, and uh, you wrote this to yourself as a note. You said, because I'm a visual person, so I wrote out the slides. So this is one of the decks. And and you wrote, organizations are an opportunity to affect the world in a way that a single individual can't on his 
or her own. I don't want to forget that. This document is a small reminder that more than a piece of software, more than a business, know your company is a lever to improve people's lives. Plus, make the world a better place. Okay. And so this, this, this is again inspiring. And you said you were having a rough day and the fact that you looked at, at, at what you had written, you started focusing on the things that mattered and that was doing the work and just, just getting on with the day. So when, when you write like that, so I'm sure it's not just your father who's, who's been an influence there in, in terms of developing something that is helpful. If you were to look at outside influences, right, who would you count as uh, the, 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 the biggest influence or influences? Oh man, I, yeah, I, there are definitely a few people who come to mind. Um, first and foremost is a very dear friend of mine. Uh, his name is Neil Sales Griffin. And so he's the CEO of a nonprofit organization um, called Code Now. And Neil and I went to Northwestern together and uh, we spent four years working together actually in student government. Uh, he was student body president his senior year. He was a few years older than me. And then I was student body president uh, my respective years. And uh, I've always looked up to Neil and seen him almost mm -hmm. as, a, you know, as a big brother figure uh, to me. Uh, we ended up uh, after graduating from college, uh, starting a company called the Starter League together, which became incredibly successful and which he later continued to run as the CEO. And they just recently got acquired this past year. Um, but uh, I, I have a lot to to thank um, for, for, for Neil and uh, the perspectives that he has shared with me. I think, um, you know, where I get uh, Get, I think a lot of my uh, desire to want to help other people is because uh, he, Neil, is someone who is so selfless mm -hmm. in wanting to help others and make the world a better place. Mm -hmm. uh, it gives me the confidence that, oh wow, yeah, that that feeling that I have to want to do that, I should, I can do the same thing too. Um, it's <laughs> that reassurance that you just are a little less weird. <laughs> in the world, you're not crazy for yeah. <laughs> wanting to do something bigger than yourself, be a part of something bigger than yourself. I think, um, well, I'll say this, you know, I think before, you know, meeting Neil and, go and going to college at Northwestern, I think, you know, when I was growing up and in high school, you feel this small voice in in your head or in your heart that says, oh, you know, helping people, that that's fun, that's nice, you know, being a part of something bigger than yourself, that's, yeah. that's pretty, wow, like, that's pretty great, right? But there's some, there's, there's that voice, and then there's another voice that says, oh, but it's just so much easier to look out for yourself, and oh, you need to just kind of, you know, heads head down, you know, do your own thing, focus on yourself, you know, be a little <laughs> selfish, right? right? And I think right. a lot of people listen to that voice instead of the other voice because they don't have other people around them who say, no, no, it's okay. Like, yeah. it's okay to want yeah. to help other people. Like, that's that's an, a great thing to do. Um, I True. think, you know, we live, live in a world where whether it's, um, you know, societal cues or mm -hmm. pressures of, of, you know, what's going on, where it's kind of, 
do your thing and, you know, go, go live out your dream, you know, go climb the corporate ladder or become a doctor and model whatever pattern of success off of what other people have done. Um, and I don't think a lot of people choose to listen to their own voice of, well, what do you really want? What do you actually want to do? And, uh, yeah, I'm really lucky to have Neil as a mentor because he's Mm -hmm. someone who has always encouraged that other voice and who has always for himself thought, well, you know, how can I help other people? How can I help other people be happy? Um, and wow, you know, there's so much reward in when you are able to do that. (laughs) Certainly. Kindness must be cultivated, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of room for it everywhere in the world. So yeah, so the, I think what mentors do is they are able to push the, these nudges of kindness yeah, with, with effort and uh, discipline, and Absolutely. also tell you that they, they, yeah. they're possible. And just right. So, yeah, and I, I'm sure right. you're you're doing it uh, virtually and. For, for a lot of people you're just just giving it back through your writing and uh, the mission so it, the, the, I, I hope uh, <laughs> I hope thank you yeah so I, I, yeah I think um, I you know I think it's very easy to feel alone in this world and to feel like you're the only person who cares about something or who thinks a certain way and when that happens you're a lot less likely to act on it so I think right. the less alone that we feel the more that we share hey I'm struggling with this too or hey I've been thinking about something similar <laughs> um, the more we're able to, to encourage people to yeah do what they actually want and tap into what they actually want true so what, what you do in a way is uh you, you document how things were, how things are in your head right now, and how, how are you thinking about the future? And, and what, what are you learning from, from these uh, daily, uh, so at, at, at times Brownian, at times exciting motions of the world? And, and w- what do you draw from that? And, and, and uh, having the courage to, to just put it put it out there G- given that you you had a pencil as as a child and perhaps <laughs> right. pe- perhaps a diary right but that 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 was uh, strictly strictly a private affair and now it isn't it's 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 for for everyone it's of course it's it's uh, believing that there are people out there who perhaps share the same belief and uh, it, there's 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 a possibility of having more conversations around the ideas that you believe in. So I, I mentioned mission twice. Your mission. So could you tell us about your mission and your company? Absolutely. Sure. So our our mission is to create a world where people can communicate openly and honestly at work. So what I, you know, aspire to do is to help employees and managers go to work and feel like they don't have to hold anything back, feel like they can be transparent, have real talk and actually solve the real problems that are going on in their companies. Um, And today, you know, the way we do that with New York Company is, you know, we we have a piece of software. But Mm -hmm. I've, you know, I've always believed, Akash, that uh, the problem of, feedback, the problem of communication at work, the problem of, you know, a, a broken uh, company culture, it, it's only can be solved really um, 
through people taking action. And that's going to take so much more than just software. So it's a huge mm -hmm. reason why I do the writing, why I do a lot of speaking, as mm -hmm. because uh, there's so much more beyond just using a software tool, which is, you know, again, our product, what we sell, um, in order to create that world where people can communicate honestly and openly at work. But that is that is the mission to, to create a, a world where, where that is possible. Right. And it is rooted in conversations, as, as you said. Yes. And, and so. Yes. Yes. It's this idea that, uh, you know, when you have a when you, when you have a one on one with a manager, uh, yeah. you know, nine times out of 10, your manager is going to say something uh, like or ask you something like, how's it going? Right. And nine times out of 10, you as an employee, you're going to say something like it's going fine. When really, yeah. really below the surface, for most employees, it's not going fine, or there's something that really is bothering them, or they're already looking at other jobs, or they saw, saw this mistake that happened in a project, and they're thinking about telling someone, but they're not really sure if anyone cares, mm -hmm. or they're not worried about themselves looking bad, right? And that gap between what is actually being said and what is not, that's the number one reasons why problems in companies occur. It's the reason why, you know, uh, owners in businesses are always surprised when people leave. They're always surprised right. when different problems pop up that they didn't hear about it. So it's this uh, huge issue where as a CEO, you are constantly the last to know something. And so the way that we solve this, our philosophy and our methodology is, well, the way you uncover that, mm -hmm. the way you, you uncover those things that are unsaid, the way you close the gap between what is actually said and what people aren't saying is you have to ask the right questions in the right way at the right time. So our entire methodology behind Know Your Company is all around asking the right questions. So it fits so in line with, you know, with your podcast of, of living the questions. Um, that's that's really what we consider ourselves experts in is, is you know, asking questions uh -huh. to help a CEO create an environment where they can actually get the truth. Right, right. And how, how did you arrive at this? As in, what, did, did, did yeah. you... It's it was a it was a personal pain. So that's mm -hmm. that's what happened. Is uh, about five or so years ago, I was an employee at an early stage company um, mm -hmm. up in Evanston, Illinois. Uh, about six people, so really small. And I was super unhappy, <laughs> incredibly, <laughs> incredibly unhappy. Even though I was given a lot of responsibility, I loved my coworkers, even despite those two things. Mm -hmm. I was really unhappy at my job, and the reason I was so unhappy is because I felt like I could not give feedback to my boss. So it was this problem of feedback, this problem firsthand of that environment that I was in didn't uh, facilitate an open and honest uh, conversation with my right. CEO. And it wasn't his fault, you know, it's not like he was a bad CEO or anything. Uh, mm -hmm. Honestly, it's because what do you Google to even solve this problem? What, what do you do to create an open and honest environment? At the time, there wasn't right. anything, especially for a company as small as six people. Mm -hmm. And so when I realized that this was such a painful problem, not just at this company, but you know, among other companies, whether they're 16 people, 60 people, 100 people, I decided, okay, you know what? This is this is the problem I'm going to commit myself towards. I this is what I feel like should be my life's work. You know, I, I quit my job and decided I, I'm going to start a company around this to solve this problem, so other employees don't have to feel the way that I do, um, and to help CEOs who are facing the same challenge that. Um, you know the CEO at that at that job was uh, was facing as well, 
Um, so yeah, so that's that's really uh, how Know Your Company um, ended up starting. Uh, so what I actually ended up doing after that, after quitting my job, is I ended up starting a consulting practice to help CEOs get to know their employees better and uncover mm-hmm. their um, <clears throat> excuse me, uncover their blind spots as a CEO. And my first client, my first consulting client, was a company called Basecamp. And you might be familiar with them. They yeah, uh, absolutely. Who is it? Yeah, they're the world's most popular project management software. <laughs> they happen to be based in Chicago, and their right. CEO, his name is Jason Freed. Uh, Jason, who, by the way, I happen to get introduced to Jason because of Neil. So, if you remember oh. my friend I mentioned yes. earlier, he's yes. the one who made that introduction. Okay. <laughs> so, speaking of influential people in my life, uh, <laughs> that's definitely one connection he made among many that that changed my life. And so, uh, you know, I met with Jason, told him what I was working on and he was, you know, he was blown away. He said, Claire, this is insane because I have been suffering from this problem of not knowing my own company, um, you know, for, for a while. And I, I you know, I want to do two things. One, you know, I want to be your first client. You know, we'd like to hire you as a consultant. And then two, you're not going to believe this. We're actually building our own product to solve this problem. <laughs> And it's called Know Your Company, and I want you to take a look at it. And so funny enough, they built this early prototype, and you know, I took a look at it, and I actually was building my own software prototype too at the same time, so we kind of shared notes, and you know, I, I you know, shared with Jason what I was working on and did the consulting project for them, and they ended up launching, taking Know Your Company, launching it as a product themselves, and it uh-huh. did so well and became so successful as a product that they decided to spin it off into its own separate company. Right. And then Jason approached me and he said, Claire, I have this crazy idea, you know, would you like to run it as the CEO? And we'll give you half the company, um, you build out your own team, um, and you run mm-hmm. it though, you know, we'll just be on board as advisors, but you grow the thing, um, and it's yours, what do you think? <laughs> and I clearly said yes. <laughs> okay. And so that was about, uh, about three years ago. Um, and yeah, since then it's, I mean, it's been a blast. We work with, uh, over 200 business owners over 15 Mm -hmm. or sorry, over 12,000 employees who use our product every single week in about 15 different countries. Um, yeah. And we do it as a, uh, three person team, uh, just hired person number three actually last month. So for the most, most part (laughs) that we've been running your company, just two people. (laughs) Yeah. It's been pretty crazy. You know, um, it's one of the the really I think wonderful things about the product is that it is uh-huh. so simple <laughs> that uh, it really doesn't need much in order to to do a lot. And so as a bootstrap company, to me, uh, you know, growing at the speed of cash is really important. Not hiring too quickly. You know, seeing right, right. the fact that all of our customers are coming to us and feeling growing pains because they've all hired too quickly. So I definitely want to avoid that. So I've purposely hired incredibly slowly. And like I said, it just doesn't really need a lot. And I prefer to keep the business as simple and straightforward as possible. Um, and so our other employee, employee number two, um, his name, or sorry, employee number one, I guess, uh, his name's Matt. He's our programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he handles all of our product design, back end. Uh, he actually does some support, you know, we think on some strategy stuff together. And then I handle all our marketing, um, you know, all of our, uh, well, for the <laughs> I used to handle all of our sales. I actually just hired, um, you know, our, our salesperson. So that's the third person who's who's now part of the company just last month. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's funny when you you know give yourself the constraints right. of 
of not working with too much, you actually, uh-huh. strangely, I think, end up getting a lot more done because uh, there are just fewer options for what you can do. So you just kind of hunker in on the things that actually matter and then you just execute on those. So it's worked for at least now. Um, right. You know, is it sustainable? I don't know. You know, we're, we're definitely going to grow. We're definitely going to hire more people. I, uh, For me personally, though, I want to grow the comp- company slow and steadily. I right. want to do this for the long haul. You know, I want to be running Know Your Company for the next 10, 15, 20 years from now, if I'm, you know, if I'm lucky enough to be able to. And so pacing ourselves is really important. Wow. That's that, that, so yeah, that, I I think that is something that is missing from a lot of people to be able to think for the long haul and uh, realizing the kind of impact that slow thinking and, and careful decisions can have at this stage in 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 the long term but this also reminds me of this uh so there's there's a poem by mark strand it's called the everyday enchantment of music so uh, mm. I'll, I'll just read out a few lines and so it starts as this it says a rough sound was polished until it became a smoother sound which was polished until it became music then the music was polished until it became the memory of a night in venice when tears of the sea fell from the bridge of sighs, which in turn was polished until it ceased to be, and in its place stood the empty home of a heart in trouble. Then suddenly there was sun and the music came back and traffic was moving, and off in the distance, at the edge of the city, a long line of clouds appeared, and there was thunder, which, however menacing, would become music, and the memory of what happened after Venice would begin, and what happened after the home of the troubled heart broke would also begin. So it is a sad poem, yes, but I think what what, what Mark really points out, if if there's there's a way to cipher that here, is the the connections between the things that we do, people that we meet. Uh, ideas that we are close with, right? The ideas that we believe in, right? The the the, the connections are just infinite, and the way they happen, e- e- even you get surprised as as a result. It's it's just about yeah, showing up and and doing something, and something will happen. It's like that old idea of that two clock pendulums will eventually start oscillating in the same rhythm. But yeah. Just, just, just because the rhythm from from you gets to someone else, from them it gets to someone else. So, uh, really fascinating that you have a vision that that is going to last as 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 uh, long as very few people imagine it to be. So, yeah, I, I think we're you're coming coming to a close, and uh, I just have one uh, final question. So, for someone who's just starting out, right, and isn't sure what is the best path of, of for, for doing things. Is it is it is it getting a job? Is it is it starting starting a company? Is it is it, is it learning more about oneself? What would you recommend them? I would say two things to them. I would say first, uh, ask yourself the question: Who do you want to help? 
Uh-huh. I think a lot of times when we think about what we want to do or you know do next, whether that's you know a life path, career path, we think about oh, what am I good at? Oh, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What do I like? Right. 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 And it's all about ourselves. When right. really, right. Uh, what we're good at, what we like, all of that is pretty mutable and it can change. But uh-huh. what it remains pretty constant is for what higher purpose, for what goal, and for for who. And I think asking that question of for who, for who do I want to do this work for, for who do I want to put energy towards to help, uh, that always reveals so much more to me than anything else. Because when you realize the problems or the causes that you want to get behind, mm-hmm. everything else falls into place. You know, you can say, oh, I care about clean water. Okay, I'm going to look at the companies that are you know, looking to solve that problem. Or if there aren't any that I think are, are doing well or doing, the way, doing it the way that I want, then I want to start my own. And so then the path becomes much more clear and defined when you can choose who you want to help. I mean, for myself, I mean, that became so evidently clear when I decided who I want to help are employees who are unhappy at work. Mm -hmm. I know that feeling. That's who I want to help. Right. And that for me is what um, what caused me to start my own consulting practice, led me to know your company. But again, it starts all in asking that question of for who, who do I want to help? the second thing then I would say is for whatever that the answer to that question is mm-hmm. and what other answers that you come to, you know, say you say, oh, okay, it means I need to apply to these five jobs, whatever it is, um, you have to trust yourself. I think it uh, becomes so easy to ask other people for advice, uh, yeah. but the advice that you get is so biased by that person's own personal perspective. For example, mm-hmm. if you go talk to an entrepreneur and you ask them, oh, should I start a company or should I go work mm-hmm. and take a job? Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you to start a company because that's what <laughs> they did. <laughs> you know, it's what they know. <laughs> if you go talk to um, you know, your old college professor and you ask them, should I go to grad school or should I go start a company or should I go take a job? You know, they're going to tell you, oh, you should go to grad school because that's <laughs> most likely what they did, right? It's what right. they know. Again, every, and right. it's not anyone's fault. It's just we... We're always biased by our own perspective, and so when you seek out advice, it will always be colored by that. So really, the only thing you can listen to is your own inner voice, mm-hmm. and you have to trust yourself because you, you know, you're the only version of, of you, and that's right. all that exists. So asking anyone else for guidance on which way to go, uh, it's you know, only helpful to a point, and when you do make that decision, trusting yourself uh, is everything, in my opinion, at least. So. Right. Uh, right. And again, that advice should be taken with a grain of salt as well, right? <laughs> I find my own perspective. That's that's the funny thing about advice is it really is just that. It's just advice. Thanks. The, just what you'd expect, you know, kindness and gladness and hope for for making making something for others, uh, may, may making a change happen. Thanks for sharing that, Claire. And Thanks for doing this today. Oh, yeah. No, thank you so much for the thoughtful questions and really enjoyed the, the conversation. So appreciate it. Well, th- thanks. Thanks. Thanks for making it. We, we wish that your mission just goes on as uh, long, long as it has to and you've, you've gotten to every place. I, I think in a way it's, it's uh, similar to what Laura had said. She had said, the only reason why I want to grow my company is because I want to have a place for people a good place for people to work and so you're taking it in the other direction making sure you want every company to have 
open and honest conversations about things and yes. work together towards goals. So yeah, great. Good good luck with, with know your company. Good luck to you guys. And uh, yeah, keep 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 uh, documenting things. Keep uh, writing and uh, keep inspiring. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. So what is etched on your nerves? What is drilled down into your bones? What is your mission? What keeps you awake at 3 a.m. at times? Tell us all about it. Tell Claire about your mission. Tell a friend about Claire's mission. Spread the word. And if you like the show, tell another friend about the show. Subscribe to it on iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcast view. And till we meet each other next time, keep living the questions.